0: You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Good morning. How y'all doing? Y'all like that? Lights came on right at good morning. We we did not practice that. That's a lie. I'm not going to lie here in church. Man, it's good to see you guys. I'm excited to continue on in our series through the book of Psalms. As you know, we are not going through every single Psalm because we just, man, we would spend years and years and years to do that. So we're just allowing the Spirit just to, to lead us to, to choose. And honestly, I'll be transparent with you, we were supposed to be in Psalm 14 this morning. And as I read Psalm 14, I read 15 and 16, and I just felt like the Spirit wanted us to hear Psalm 16. So we kind of transitioned midweek to Psalm 16. So that's where we'll be if you want to turn there in your Bibles. And what I want you to know about this entire series, we talked about this last week as we opened it up, is that this series is really going to, if we allow it, if we allow the Spirit to, to really work and move, it should change our posture into a posture of worship to the God who is so worthy of our worship. Amen? That's why we're here, right? We say it every week, we are here to make Him... Famous. We are here to lift His name up. We are here because He is worthy of our praise. It's all about Him. It always has been. And it always will be. That is, that is why we do what we do. Really, that is why you do what you do as a human being. You are created in His image to bring Him glory. The question is, are you living life that way? The question is, are you living life that way? Is your life to make Him famous or is your life to make you happy? There's a big difference. There's a big difference because it's really easy for us to go through life trying to make ourselves happy. How many of you like being happy? Let's Let's just be honest. Man, I love being happy. The problem with happiness is it's based on circumstance and happenstance. Joy is something completely different, and we're going to see that in Psalm 16. Joy comes only from Jesus. And we're going to see that as we go through this psalm, and we don't, usually, we don't usually talk about titles that we see, but I want you to look here in Psalm 16, the title, this is from David, he wrote this, the title says, you will not abandon my soul. That is the title of this psalm. Now we don't know exactly when this was written. There's really no markers for that. But if you, if you think about David's life, we're going to see verse 1 says, Preserve me, O God. So David is in some moment in his life where he is, he's really, he is fearful for his life. He is saying, preserve me. And we're going to see that this is a, this is a physical preserve. This is preserve me from dying. I don't want to die. So, so if you think about David's life, maybe, maybe this is when he was marching out to face Goliath. He was taking faithful steps and he's out there and he's like, hey, preserve me. Like this, this could be one of those moments where I'm taking faithful steps to follow Jesus, but I'm afraid of what may happen. I don't know if you've ever been there where you're taking those steps of faith and you think, man, I don't know what's going to happen. So what do I do when I don't know what to do. And the answer is you trust Jesus and you worship through it. What do I do when I don't know what to do? You trust Jesus and you worship through it. Maybe this is when King Saul turned on David and David's running for his life and he's like, preserve me. Someone that he trusted, someone that he looked up to had now turned on him. And maybe you've been there in your life where you've you've looked up to someone. Someone was supposed to protect you. Someone was supposed to love you and then they turned on you and you didn't really know what to do and you, you cry out, preserve me. You trust God and you worship through it or maybe this is when Absalom, his son, David's own son turned on him. Those people that say they have your back no matter what and then one day you look up and they don't have your back anymore. Or maybe that person said till death do us part and you're not dead yet and neither are they but they're gone. They're nowhere to be found. And you're living in this circumstance and you just don't know what to do. And what do you do when you don't know what to do? You trust Jesus and you worship through sure. it. Then it says a mictam of David. Who knows what a miktam is? That's great. Nobody does, man. Like, it's just... everything you read about it, it's like we don't really know what this is. It's just some term that's in here that we don't really know. And I like to think, now don't take this to the bank. This isn't theological. This is just my opinion. I like to think that God knew there was going to be a word in His Scripture that no one knew what it was about. And to me, it's because sometimes we walk into situations and we have no clue what's going on. And what do we do when we walk in those situations? We trust God and we worship God. Through it, Because there's going to be times in your life that you have no clue what it means. You don't think God's doing it right. You don't think he, He's really got the same play as you do. And you know what you do in those moments is you trust Him and you worship through it. Deuteronomy 29 says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. There's just some things that are secret that belong to Him and we trust Him and we worship through it. We trust Him and we worship through it. Psalm 16, verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for you; for in You I take refuge. Refuge means a safe place, a hiding place. And maybe, maybe we go through some trials and some circumstances in our life that we don't really want to go through because it, it really causes us, if we're followers of Jesus, it causes us to run to our Father to take refuge in Him. Jesus, when, when He's about to, to go on His triumphal entry before His crucifixion, he looks, he looks over, He looks down on the city and He says, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Here's my question for you. When you are in this moment, these these situations, these circumstances of trouble, of chaos, of, of the unknown, where do you run? Do you run into the arms of Jesus or do you run to this world where things will always let you down? Jesus is looking at these people who He knew would begin to yell, crucify Him. And He says, man, if you would just Come to me. If you would just come to me, I would gather you like a, like a mama hen gathers her babies. But you were not willing. Are you willing to run to Jesus? Are you willing to run to Jesus? Where do you run in times of trouble? Some of you run to food. Maybe that's just kind of your escape. Now, let's just throw this out there. Food is good, right? I love food. I'm just a food guy. And especially like if, if you can have a milkshake after the food or maybe a milkshake before the food and then the, whatever it is, food's just good. But the problem is sometimes we run to food when we're in trouble. That is our escape. Some people you run to Netflix. You just kind of Netflix and chill. You just want to be left alone. You want to escape everything in the world. And that's where you find your refuge. That's your safe place to go. For some of you, maybe it's, It's the bar, the bottle, and it's just something that it kind of eases the the pain. It eases the the struggle. It eases the things that you're going through in life. And all of these things are temporary. For some of you, maybe it's a dating app or a social media, and you're like, man, I just need that one person to make me feel better. I need that one person that can just erase all of these, these struggles. And I want you to know that there is no one person in this world that can do that for you. Only Jesus can do that. If you're looking to someone else to to ease all your pain and your your troubles, then man, you are not going to find that in the person that you're looking for. It's just not going to happen. They weren't designed to fulfill that need in your life. Only Jesus can do that. Maybe for some of you, it's a late night text to an ex they're an X for a reason right like you think about that remember that they're your X for a reason that late night text is just not necessary and it does nothing but cause destruction where you run when you find yourself in trouble is your functional savior when you're in trouble when you're going through these moments in life where you run That is your functional Savior. That's what you think can save you from all of the trouble and all of the pain and all of the hurt. And the truth is that the world will only let you down. That Jesus is the only one that can fulfill and satisfy. Jesus says it in Matthew 11, He says, come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened. Come to Me and I will give you rest, even rest for your souls. Are you willing to run to Jesus? This entire year we've been talking about shifting our attention back to Jesus. Shifting our attention from the things of this world to the cross of Christ. Because your life forever changes when you begin to run to Jesus for your refuge and not the things of this world. Verse 2 says, I say to the Lord, and this Lord here is all capitalized. He's saying, I, I say to Yahweh, I say to the, to the God of gods, I say to the, to the God who is above everything, you are my Lord. And this is the, the word Adonai here. And he's saying, hey, you are close to me. So he's saying that God is he's, he's sovereign. He is over all things. But not only is he cosmic, he's personal to you. He's personal to me. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. See, David finds himself in an impossible situation. And in one verse, he goes from circumstance to the goodness of God. He switches his attention. He changes his focus from preserve me to I have nothing good apart from you. He begins to recognize all of the things that God has done for his life. He is shifting his focus His attention away from his temporary circumstances to the God who loves him and has been there through it all. We talked about this a couple months ago, but I have a gratitude list on my phone. I've challenged you guys to create a gratitude list to write down one thing that you're grateful for for every year that you've been alive. So for some of you, it's going to be a long list, for some of you, it'll be a little shorter. Mine has 36 things on it. In January, I will add one more. Some of the things on my list aren't going to be some of the things on your list. Some of the things, don't, they don't surprise you, right? I'm grateful for salvation. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for this church. But I'm also grateful for the, D- the Diablo's truck at work, right? That might not make sense for you. You might not have a Diablo's truck at work. I do. So you write down what makes sense for you. But what that does is it begins to take our focus off of the temporary circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we can read this list that we know God has blessed us with all of these things. And our focus just begins to shift away from the trouble to the Creator of the universe, to our Father who loves us. He's not just some cosmic being that doesn't care about you. though. He's our Father and He loves His children. And if you are a follower of Jesus in this place, then you are a child of God. There's nothing good apart from Him. James 1 says that every good and perfect gift is from above. But also, I believe this means that God is the goodness. That even the things that we would call good, they're not good without God. Like, He is the goodness. He makes these things good. There's no good apart from Him. See, worship is our response to all that He is and all that He's done. It is our response to Him. It's really lifting our eyes above the circumstances and focusing on not just the gifts, but the giver of all the good gifts. And there's no greater gift than Jesus. Amen? Verse 3 says, And as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So David here is giving an example of the good things. And he's talking about the saints, the church. And I, I, I really, really, really relate to this because I am grateful for you. I am grateful for this church. There's really no place I'd rather be on a Sunday than with you guys. It's it's the body of believers together. Man, we we just encourage one another. We, we kick each other in the tail sometimes when we need it, right? We're, we're a band of brothers as we talked about last week, not just a bunch of buddies. We do this thing together and we take steps together. And when I read this, when I thought about you, I thank God for you. I love our church. Verse 4 says, The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood, I will not pour out, or take their names on my lips. He's basically saying, I'm not, they're not even worthy to mention here. But some people run to God, some people run to the world. That's just the truth. That's your choice. When you're in these moments of, of sorrow, in these moments of trouble, you can run to Jesus, or you can run to the world. Those are your options. You choose which one you run to. And there's a difference. right? The ones who run to the world, David says that their sorrows will Multiply. And here's the reason why, is that the enemy, all of his promises, he can't fulfill any of them. He promises you things that he just can't do. He promises you satisfaction, and he can't satisfy you. He promises you prosperity, and he can't give you prosperity. He promises you relief, and he can't give you relief. There's plenty of sorrows, even when you are following after Jesus. Let's just be honest. There are sorrows and circumstances in life even when you're taking steps of faith toward Jesus. But your sorrows multiply when you run to the things of this world. 1 John tells us that there are three three primary things that the enemy tries to, to get us with and it's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's stuff, self, and sex. It's possession, position, and passion. And we run to this stuff in times of trouble. We run to to money thinking that money can provide all of the stuff that we need. That that money can give us the, the safety, the security, the satisfaction. And I want you to know that no amount of money will give you the satisfaction and the security that you are longing for. Only Jesus can do that maybe you think, well, I'm pretty satisfied with my money. Like, it's doing some pretty good stuff for me. And, man, I want you to know that money's a great tool. It's just a horrible God. It's a great tool to honor and glorify God. The problem is we begin to trust in money as our refuge, which means that money becomes our functional Savior, and we get more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. Or maybe for some of you, like, yeah, I know the stuff won't help, so it's all about me. Like, if I could just if I could just make make myself better, some self-improvement. I'm just gonna I'm gonna do these things that maybe I'm gonna get a promotion at work, so my title changes. Here's the here's the funny thing: your title may change, but you're the same person. Like that title didn't do anything for you. But what we do is we begin to run those type of things. We want to climb the ladder at work and I'm not telling you that you shouldn't do that. The problem is we begin to make that the refuge that we run to. And it will always always let you down. And for some of you maybe maybe you're good with the stuff doesn't really do it for you. The 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 self doesn't really do it for you and it's just the passion, it's the sex part. And you think that that's where you need to run when you're in these times of trouble. And the circumstances in your life are just going out of whack. And you, you think that this one other person, they will just do it for you. And man, all you married people out here, you know, this is, this is what I thought. I'm just going to be honest with you. This is what I thought. When I get married, all of these things that, that I struggle with, they're just going to go away. Because marriage is the answer. Here's the truth. They don't go away because marriage isn't the answer to make those things go away. Jesus is the answer to make those things go away. So when we run to, to passion in times of trouble, man, it's always going to let you down. It's always going to let you down. It's funny. It's not funny. Let's say interesting. It's interesting. That David doesn't talk about right and wrong here. and We see in the book of Romans that Paul doesn't really talk about right and wrong. He talks about life and death. And we're not a church trying to just do better. We're a church of, of there's dead people and Jesus brings them back to life. That's what, that's what it's about. It's not about doing better. It's about being more like Jesus. It's not about just, just trying to, to check off a list no, it's about having an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. And because of that, we are brought to life, adopted into His family, imputed with His righteousness, and we are considered holy because He is holy. And we see that taking steps of faith always gives birth to life. When we follow after Jesus, every step we take after Him, it always gives birth to to something that's alive and living because He is life. But when we chase things of this world, it always gives birth to death. Because the enemy came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. It's about life and death, not good or bad or right or wrong. That Sin makes us dead. and Jesus brings us. That's what it's all about. Verse 5 says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my life. David's saying, hey, Jesus is enough for me. Like He is my portion. He is enough to satisfy me. I don't need anything else. He is enough. Let me ask you a question. If you lost everything in your life, would He still be enough for you? And it's hard to think about that because none of us want to lose things in our life. None of us want to lose our house, our car, our, our loved one. No, nobody wants to experience loss. But if you did experience that, would He still be enough for you? Is He enough? Or do you need all this other stuff and Him to be satisfied? Now, I'm not going to say that it won't hurt to lose some stuff, There won't be some pain and there won't be some sorrow. But what do you do when you don't know what to do? You trust Him and you worship through it. Is He enough for you? Man, that's a question that we all have to answer in this place. Because man, this answer will change your life. If He can truly become enough for you, it changes the way that you live. It changes everything about your life when He really becomes enough for you. Verse 6 says, The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Again, the conditions of his life, David's life in this moment, he starts with preserve me, O oh Lord. So he's in a circumstance that's pretty dire. But he's looking at the borders of his life. He's looking at the the outer lines of his life. And he says, for me, they have fallen in pleasant places. I have a beautiful inheritance in you. He's saying, thank you for my life. Thank you for being who you are. Even in this darkest of times, even in this situation, thank you for being who you are. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. He starts with preserve me and then we get to verse 8 and He says I will not be shaken because He has shifted His eyes from the temporary circumstances of His life and He is now focused on God. Have you made that shift? in your life? Have you made the shift in your life where you can go through any circumstance, any situation, any sorrow, any pain, even the good times in your life and shift your focus off of that and put your focus on God? Have you made that shift in your life? Are you so focused and consumed with the temporary circumstances that God just takes a back seat in your life? Where are you this morning? What do you do when things aren't going your way? What do you do when you don't know what to do? You trust Him and you worship through it. You trust Him and you respond to all that He is. You trust Him and you respond to all that He's done with all that you are. Verse 9 says, Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being. Rejoice as my flesh also dwells secure. This is what worship is. Worship is declaring the victory that Jesus has already won. We declare the victory that's already been won. Are you living from a place of victory in your life? Are you living declaring the victory that Jesus has already won? Some of us, we, we walk through life defeated all the time. We walk through life just, we're, we're always negative. We're always just we're in a place of, of, of sadness and sorrow and everything's going to just go bad that can go bad. Here's the truth, that we are fighting and living from a place of victory because He is already won. And for some of you, it's hard to, you can't connect to that. You you haven't connected to that yet. You don't really understand the concept of what has he already won. So I want to lay that out very briefly for you. That he has won the fight over sin. And what does that mean for you? This is what it means, that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. That we were born into sin, and because of our sin, we are eternally separated from God because he demands holiness. And righteous. and we look at ourselves and we say, uh-oh, like I can't do that. I, I'm not holy. I'm not righteous. And God would say, absolutely right. You're not at all. But I'm going to send Jesus on a rescue mission for you. So he sends his son to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, to go through temptation, to have the feelings that we have. And because of our sin, He is nailed to a cross. And we see in the book of Colossians that He he took our sin and He he forgives all. And The the Greek word for all means all. He forgives all of our sin by nailing it to the cross. He doesn't stop. He's crucified. He's buried. Three days later, he arises victorious over death. And because of that, we fight from a place of victory once we put our faith and our trust in Him as Lord and Savior. That is the that is the victory that we fight from, that we live from. The victory that He has defeated sin and death so that we can have life and have life abundant in him. Have you have you really experienced the life changing power of Jesus? Have you realized the the true weight of your sin and the true weight of your sin is that you should spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. But because of his love he sent Jesus in, even when we were still sinners to die for Has that, has that experience happened in your life? I don't want you to think of some feeling and that you get this, this feeling in your life and it just feels good. And Man, that's not what it is. It is an experience with Jesus. It is a life-changing experience to find Him. In Hebrews 11, they call that the the hall of faith It talks about all the, all the amazing people of faith. Some of them, because they were taking steps after Jesus, some of them, they kind of put themselves in some situations, but they always had faith. They, they trusted Him and they worshipped through it. And then the, the verse right after Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which cling so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, and for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the victory that we live from. The victory that he came and took our place, and that he's still alive, seated at the right hand of of God. We're going to close here. Verse 10 says this. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Verse 11. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is what he's saying. That in you there is joy that is unspeakable. Are you experiencing that joy in your life? Some of you are in this place right now and you are dealing with some situations that you don't want to deal with. Some of you, you you have no clue what your next step in life is going to be. There's chaos all around you. There's, There's doubt. There's confusion. Do you trust Him and are you worshiping through that? Do you have the joy of the Lord in you? Are you crying out, preserve me, and then saying, I shall not be shaken? Or are you crying out, preserve me, and then you're running to take refuge in the things of this world? Who are you running to? See, we live in a world that is is on the pursuit for happiness. If you can be happy, this world spends billions of dollars every day to try to make you happy. It's called marketing. There's nothing wrong with marketing. But the world is marketing things that will only lie to you to tell you that they can make you feel a certain way that they really can't make you feel. They're they're pursuing your happiness, but happiness is fleeting and it's temporary. See, in Jesus there is fullness like no other. He is more than enough. He is more than enough. He is more than enough. Is that true for you? As he stands there and says, hey, if you just come to me, I'll give you rest, even rest for your soul. If you just come to me, I'll gather you like a mother hen gathers her little babies because I love you. Are you willing? He cries out, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, I would do this for you, but you were not willing. Impact Church, are you willing to run to Jesus? Because he wants you to experience the fullness of joy that only he can give. Are you willing in this place to run to him? Seeing Jesus, we get these things. We get the purpose for our life. We get the presence get pleasures forevermore. Verse 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And we see, we just saw in Hebrews that Jesus is at the right hand of God. So at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore because he loves his children and he wants to give good gifts to his kids. And the best gift is the present. So if you want to know the purpose of your life, if you want to, if you want to experience the presence of Jesus, if you want pleasures forevermore—not worldly pleasures, but godly pleasures—it's only found in Jesus. And maybe for some of you, you've never made that decision. You've never said, "Man, I, I know I'm a sinner, in need of a Savior." Today is the day that I want to, I want to admit that. I believe that Jesus came on a rescue mission for me. I want to confess Him in this moment as Lord and Savior of my life. Maybe that is the decision that you need to make today. Maybe for some of you, you've already made that decision. You've already made that decision and, and you're, you're going through some things, but you're running to the world for refuge and you need to shift your focus above the temporary Circumstances, and you need to focus on Jesus and you need to begin to take refuge in Him. Maybe for some of you, your life's going great. Everything's good, but your focus is shifted to all the goodness and not to the giver. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.